and showing up in my dreams. <laughs> and I love it when he comes in my dreams because it's like undeniable goodness in a dream. And so sometimes we can get so busy in our everyday movements of our ministry stuff, our jobs, and everything we have going on in our lives. And he comes and speaks to us in our dreams during those moments. And I love that. So this past week, the Lord woke me up like early in the morning, about four or five in the morning. And I literally could feel the Father's presence right in front of me. And I just, as soon as I felt it, I woke up because it woke my spirit up first. And then it woke myself up, my natural being up. And I just heard the words, my goodness, my goodness. Tell the people about my goodness. And I took that. And it was like every night, like he just kept saying every single night, like, tell them about my goodness. Tell them about my goodness. And he couldn't stop just allowing me to feel that presence. And it was like tangible in my face, right in front of me, walking by in front of me, grabbing my spirit and pulling me out of my bed to wake up, to smell and breathe in his goodness. And, I, and I've been praying all week long for tonight. And I just I just kept saying, I said, God, what does it look like, your goodness? What does it look like? Because we don't understand your goodness. We put limitations and, and we put boundaries and, and we stop your goodness of an overflow in our lives so many times. And we don't even understand what your goodness is really supposed to look like. So I said, God, what does your goodness look like? Because I want it all. I want the fullness of your goodness. I don't want just bits and pieces of your goodness. And, you know, so I was, you know, going through this thing all week long, praying and asking God. The goodness means his virtue. And that's one thing the Lord has always told us, that when we're praying, even in scriptures, it talks about his virtue coming and touching the woman, his virtue coming and healing the people. It was his goodness that came to touch the people. It was his goodness that came and turned situations around when there was no possible, possible thing that could do it. It was his goodness. And so I'm sitting here and I was like, God, I was like, where do you speak about this? And in Psalms 27, 13, it says, and I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. That's why God wants us to be awoken in our spirit, to be full of life, that we don't look a bride that's dead. Because his goodness comes in the land of the living. That was Psalms 27, 13. And, and, and he even put an exclamation mark on that. Like he didn't just say it like it was a cute thing. He was like, look, I believe, <laughs> I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of 
water dead around you and cause it to have life in it. We were singing about it tonight earlier in that song. We don't even know what we sing sometimes. I'm serious. But to resurrect something is to bring life to it. Sometimes our spirits need to be resurrected. It needs to bring life to it. And so we have to begin to speak what God is speaking. And it says there, I believe. Not I can't believe for you or you believe for me, but you have to believe. Each and every one of you watching online, each and every one of you sitting in this place tonight, we can't believe for each other. We have to believe on our own that God is going to come do this. But all of us together, you know, we say it so lightly, Leah, like they're believers. Well, what kind of believers are you around? Because this is what a believer looks like. This is what a true believer looks like. I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Right? That's what I say. That's just shakaboomba. <laughs> look what it says in Psalms. I love Psalms because Psalms is like you can begin to sing this around your house kind of thing. You know, it's not just something you just hear with your ears, but you can even make a song out of it. Like Peter was saying, like sing that song of the Lord to, to God. <laughs> and so it says in Psalms 65.4, it says, Blessed is the one you choose and bring near and bring near to dwell in your courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house and the holiness of your temple. How many times do we outwardly out of our mouths become dissatisfied with what we've been given? See, we can't come against the very thing God is trying to speak to us in. I think sometimes we spend more time complaining and murmuring than we do thinking. And so we have to get to that place like, that place, we shall be satisfied with the goodness of your house, the holiness of your temple. See, the Lord has been speaking to me a lot about hope. And what does it mean to be in the holiness of the temple? You know, so many people think, well, you know, I can't get to the holiness of the temple because, you know, I'm a mess and, and I made bad mistakes and I can't get back to that holiness of the temple. But see, Jesus came and he died on the cross for us to enter in behind the curtain to get right with him. So we don't have to sit here and do anything to earn it anymore. We don't have to sit here and be afraid like he's going to come and crush us and hurt us. But we have to understand that look what it says in this verse. I want to read this to you. I'm going to find this for you because God's been speaking to me this whole entire time. I've been in Ohio for real. And it's about hope. And where does hope come from? You know, like those times, like you're like, man, I just feel so hopeless in this situation. I've heard so many believers say this. I feel so hopeless in this situation. Like, I don't know what to do. In Hebrews 6.19, it says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. 
It's not everywhere, like our mind gets all crazy everywhere. It's, it's in your soul, firm and secure. And it enters the inter, the inter sanctuary behind the curtain. So when you don't have any hope or you're in a hopeless situation, we have to believe and know that we have to get behind the curtain. See, when Jesus came, that curtain was completely torn down. Peter was praying about these walls earlier in worship. They're walls that we put up. They're walls that we tend to put up in front of us. They're walls that we tend to keep others away from us because we think it's a safe place. But really, it's a very dangerous place. Because who are you trusting at that point? Are you trusting God? Or are you trusting man? You always trust God. So if you're trusting God, then we can let these walls down. We can get behind the curtain. Let the veil ex just completely move out of the way. I really believe tonight, like God wants to take us into this deep, 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 deep place. Look, let me tell you, God speaks through everything. Even bad things, I see God in it. Even the things that are discouraging sometimes to us, even the things that we think, oh, this is a bad thing, God speaks to even that. And my knee, like, I'm being totally transparent. My knee has been bothering me, like, all week long, and I've been pushing through and pushing through because I don't accept the attack on my knee because Jesus doesn't want me to have this knee problem. And so the very, even the oils I was given to put on my knee was called deep. The whole thing was called deep to apply to my knee to help it feel better. So God speaks through all things. You know, we just don't want to listen sometimes. You know, we pick and choose what sounds so good and we don't always see the good stuff inside even circumstances that we're not too happy with in our lives. And so we have to begin. It's like, okay, God, I have this knee problem. So you're speaking about going deep. I'm being attacked to my knee. So maybe it's time that we get on our face again and we go into a deep place with Jesus. See, we forget, we think, you know, I've been praying and, you know, we come under attack sometimes as a body of Christ. And under those attacks, we're like, God, like we forget about God and we think we're all alone. And God literally extends himself out for you to come under his wings, like in Psalms 91, to cover and protect you. So you're never left uncovered. You're never left alone. So I've been praying about this goodness, and I've been asking God, what does this goodness look like? It means virtue. It means righteousness. Righteousness is standing right before the Lord. Do you know that right now where you're sitting, where you're at, watching from wherever you're from, you are right with the Lord. God sees you as his son and daughter and sees you as this beautiful being that he created. You know that he created you in a secret place? I'll find that scripture for you. I, I meant to put it in here too. But in the word it says that, it says that he created us in a secret place. 
God right now is trying to give us some deep things, but we have to get back to that secret place. Let me tell you how the goodness of God came for Moses. Moses was, you know, sometimes we're like, well, we have all this schooling and credentials and certifications and all this great things. And Moses was just a regular man who couldn't even talk correctly. And God came and used him. And he understood the goodness of God. And let me tell you where you can find this. Let me tell you where Moses discovers his goodness. You know, I was, I was remembering during the, the process of praying through this and just beginning to ask God, like, God, what are you speaking, God? And back in Exodus, Moses was, they were pitching tents. We just had a kids camp here and we pitched some tents, didn't we? I remember going online just recently and seeing all the tents pitched. And I said, God, I get it. You're trying to show us your goodness. Because this is what Moses did. This is Moses said to the Lord. This is in Exodus 33, 12. And it says, Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people. But you have not known, known whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. Right now, this is where we're at. We have found favor with God. The favor's already there. It's already a real substance in the atmosphere that we can tangibly grab and touch and bring it into our own lives, this favor, okay? Because we found favor with God already. It says, if you are, this is Moses talking, and he says, if you are pleased with me, teach me your way so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. It was not about what Moses was going to do. It was about Moses getting to know him. It was relationship. That's what created the favor. It wasn't that Moses had to go do this and that, and if Moses didn't do this and this and that, that he wasn't going to move in favor with God. It was the relationship at that moment that said, I'm going to get to know you so that way I can continue to have that favor. See, he didn't do anything in the beginning to earn the favor in the beginning. He already had it. He already had the favor, and then he chose to say, God, I want to continue with this favor, with this walk of favor with you, and all I have to do is have relationship with you. I want to get to know you. See, we have to get to that place of getting to know him. So then it says, it says, remember that this nation is your people. I don't care where you're at, where you go, they're his people. They're his kids, they're his sons, they're his daughters. Favors are already there upon their lives. Sometimes they just don't know it. And it says, the Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Why are so many people heavy burdened and carry so much stuff on them when this is what the Lord has spoken. 
And it says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. When you do not feel the peace of God and the rest of God upon your life, it's because you have not been in his presence. You have to get to that place of being in his presence. The, the, the goody two-shoe do good in ministry stuff is great. But when you set yourself underneath his presence, even for just a short while, it supersedes anything else. And the peace and the rest come literally lay on you like a blanket. Isn't that so comforting? I love that. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. He's telling God that. He's like, if, if I don't have your presence, God, then I don't even want to go where you're sending me, God. I don't want to do anything that you're asking me to do without your presence, God. Presence was the key. How did he get under that presence? Through relationship with the favor already given to him. And then it continues to say on and it says, how will anyone know that you are pleased with me, with your people, unless you go with us? <laughs> then look what it says. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? That's the question right there. What is going to distinguish us from every other place, right? And this is what the Lord says in 17. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. This is the intimacy that he knows you by your name. It breaks every wall and it breaks that veil that constantly tries to keep us divided from him. Then Moses said, now show me your glory. Why did Moses feel that he could ask for the glory? Because at that point he knew he could have it. He knew that he was a son. He knew that he was the son. He had had enough relationship with God to say, now God, show me your glory. And then it says, and the Lord said, I will cause, get this. I want you to close your eyes right now as I read this upon you right now, because I want your spirit to begin to catch this. Right there where you're at, wherever you're tuning in from, wherever you're watching from, sit there and close your eyes because I want your spirit to catch this. And it says, I will cause all of my goodness to pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face for no one may see me and live. But it was his goodness that came right there where you're at. 
that night when God came to visit me in my dream, that's what I began to feel is his goodness passed right by me, right in front of me. And I said, God, this is so good. This feels so good that I didn't have to do anything, God. I just laid my head down on a pillow, and you showed up in a dream and walked right past. And the people would come out from their tents when this was going on with Moses because they were like, man, we want some of that too. We want to we experience that too. Because they understood what the goodness of God looked like. Right now, this season, God is extending his favor to us in such an incredible way that he will come in your dreams. He will come in your visions. He will come and speak to you in your ears for you to begin to hear him. For you to begin to see him, that he is real and he's tangible, that his goodness wants to come and pass over you. It wants to come and pass over you for you to begin to feel his love again. You know, I had somebody ask me one time, and it was so good. And I had somebody ask me one time, you know, how come? The Pharisees, because I told them, I said, you know, the Pharisees have been talking about the Messiah coming, the Messiah coming, and the Messiah finally shows up, and they didn't even know it was the Messiah. And see, that has to go with his goodness passing by. And somebody asked me, well, why do you think they didn't know that he was the Messiah? And I said, because their hearts were so hardened that they couldn't feel anything anymore. And so God comes in and he softens our hearts and he massages our hearts for us to begin to feel again, for us to begin to hunger his goodness, for us to begin to hunger his favor. What is his favor? His favor is the relationship with us. It's already given over us. It's already spoken over us. You know, we don't have to go out and do all kinds of things to earn his favor. His goodness wants to come and just walk right by us. That we get under his, ring, under his wing, right there by the rock. Because he says that. He pushed Moses by the rock and just sit there and just sucked in the goodness of God. So right there, I really believe tonight that God wants to take us into a deeper place. And let me tell you, in that deep place when you're crying out for him, you know, sometimes we go through a testing period, and sometimes the enemy will come in and try to test us with things, but that's when you get on your face, and that's when you cry out for God, and that's when he comes in and puts his wing over you to protect you, and that's when the favor, and everything comes in because your father never, ever leaves you. Through every process, he's standing there right with you, wanting to walk it out with you. 
and he's encouraging you and he's saying, come on, we can do this. We can do this together. You know that all of heaven literally cheers us on every day through every obstacle, through every single situation that we're in. Heaven is literally in heaven and they're cheering us on and they're saying, come on, you can do this. The cloud of witnesses that it talks about of the former people that have gone to be with the Lord, they're up there and they're cheering us on. All the people, all the generals, all the disciples, all the people that have gone before us and they're in the cloud of witnesses and they're cheering us on and they're saying, you can do this. You can get up, dust yourself off from whatever it is. I tell everybody, it's like kind of like baseball when you go and like you slide and you try to hit something and sometimes you just have to dust yourself off and keep playing ball. You have to dust yourself off and keep getting on your face for him. So tonight, let's be intentional. Tonight, let's let's begin to, to go to that deep place with him. And I, you know, <laughs> I'm going to wait for to see what God's doing here. <laughs> God always has surprises, and I love them. I love to be surprised by Jesus. Amen. Um, you know, I, I just love what Alice is saying about, about the goodness of the Lord because how um, I many you know that God is good? Man, he's so good. He's so, so good. You know, last night I had a dream, and I woke up about, I don't know, it must have been about 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning. I woke up to this this dream, and in this dream, I was uh, I was being trained how to be an ice cream man. <laughs> I was being trained how to be an ice cream man, and it was it was really profound because, you know, in, in this dream, the person that owned the truck that was that was there was a representation. Of, of a formal life that I used to walk in, which was, and it, it was it was representing the condition of the bride. And me being able to be, uh, being trained, as I went to the window and the people would come to get the ice cream, they would make their order, and they would ask for a certain kind of ice cream, and I didn't know what it was. Yeah, and, and it was, and, and, and I'm wondering, and I'm like, Lord, I wonder if this is ice cream is even real. Because in the dream, these names, they were like significant. And I can't remember the names. But they would ask, Lord, can I have this something, something bar? And I was like, oh, I, I don't know. And they were like, it's the purple one. It's the one, and, and I would grab it, and they said, no, 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 it's the one behind it. And then. Then somebody else would come and they would want another one. And they would want another one. And then I begin to ask the Lord. And the Lord was like, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see that I am good. And I begin to see like, like, like we have to begin to allow ourselves to be, be positioned in this season to be able to receive what the Lord is giving out right now. You see, 
Sometimes what happens is we, we begin to operate and function out of the condition of the bride. And, and how many of you know that right now our nation needs revival? Why does it do that to me more than you? I'm like, <laughs> it's rigged. I was, I was preaching at a church the, not that long ago, and uh, they were telling me, like, I kept hitting the mic, and I kept hitting this button. I would turn off the mic every time I would speak. And the guy says, yeah, well, it was $20 for the one that had the bottom button. And then every time he says, man, I should have spent the other $20. <laughs> but I'm telling you what, it is, it is the condition and I began to ask the Lord, I said, Lord, well, I felt bad because I didn't know what I was giving out. I didn't know what I was giving. And the Lord said that we are in a season where, where we are able to release because there's favor and there's grace as long as we're giving glory to God. And I'm going to tell you what, I just feel like, like tonight, see, revival culture, this, 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 this gathering is not about any, any other agenda other than Holy Ghost just to see God do what he wants to do in this place. Whether we're a face to the floor. And I just, I want us to be intentional like Alice said, because I don't want us to get to a place where we become familiar to come into a building, into a facility, and, and we just do what we know how to do because we've always done what we've always done. But that if we can get to a place where we're so hungry for more of God, We'll see God move. And I share this story everywhere we go where we have a smaller group. But I'll never forget when I heard that word, the Red River. And I don't even know if I've ever shared that here. But I was in, I was in Las Vegas, Nevada, and I began to minister, and I began to see this thing in the spirit about the Red River. The Lord began to speak to me about this Red River. And I said, God, what is the Red River? And I didn't know, I could not, I was, and I looked everywhere. I was on Google. I looked it up, couldn't find nothing about this Red River. I go and I'm about to speak at this church the next morning. I turn on my phone beeps. It's my friend Charlie Shamp. And he's there. He goes, I'm live right now from the Red River house. Uh, I'm going to catch your attention. So it caught my attention. So he goes on to tell this story. And in this story, what he, say, what he says is that it was, it was a group of people, of, a small group of people that were just hungry to see more of God. And they begin to worship and they begin to praise and they begin to, to sing unto the Lord in prayer. And they said, well, why don't we take communion? So they began to take communion. And in that moment, that was the birthing of the second great awakening that hit. Revival hit. And it started off in a small little house called the Red River House with a small group of people. I'm going to tell you what. You want to see revival hit? Are you hungry to see a move of God in your city, in your state? Then we have to become intentional. We have to become a people of hunger and thirst. We have to be thirsty for the more of God. I want more. 
Let it stir in your belly right now. Right now, those who are watching right now on media revival television, I just say let it stir in your belly. Let it be like a fresh water, a fresh spigot that would just shoot up right now. Listen, guys, 65,000 homes in Pakistan are going to be watching what's going on right now. We got to get stirred up and hungry for more. We can't get to a place of being complacent and just so stagnant. Listen, I don't want to hang out in the dirty waters, do you? Man, I want to swim in the rivers of life and glory. Can we do something really quick? Can we just stand? I just feel like, what if we just pressed in for just a moment? <laughs> Holy Ghost. If you pray in the Spirit, I want you to pray in the Spirit. <laughs> Come on. More, Lord. Make us hungry more. Make us hungry, God. Uh.